say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you win. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and glad to have you guys with me again tonight. Uh, schedule's still been a little wonky, haven't been able to get back into the regular flow of things, so... Uh, a little bit larger gap between this broadcast and the most recent one. So I hope you guys will bear with me until I can get things a little more normalized. Uh, still family-type issues ongoing and, and stuff like that. Hey, you guys have stuff going on in your lives. You know what it's like, especially when stuff comes up that's unexpected. But anyway... With all that having been said, let's get to the show. Uh, let's jump right in. After all, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, the thing about missing a few extra days means that there's several stories that I'm just not going to get to. So let's start with a few quick hits. But before we do that, just for the benefit of those of you who may be listening to the show uh, being rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, uh, the time of the live broadcast, it, well, the date of the live broadcast, uh, it is November 18th, 2021. And let's jump right in. Since we were last together, we had a virtual meeting between Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. and a certain Chinese dictator calls himself President Xi. 
in this meeting, ladies and gentlemen, the Chinese government directly threatened the United States. Now, it's not that unusual for saber-rattling to occur. Saber-rattling to occur. It's not. And it's way more common when the leader of the Chinese Communist Party is in absolutely no fear of the American president. And right now, I trust you when... uh, I trust you. uh, Trust me when I tell you when any person from any other country around the world, especially a leader, especially more so a dictator, uh, looks at the United States right now, they look into the eyes of Joe Biden, uh, they ain't scared. Okay? Trust me. Why would they be? But the thing here... Uh, she threatened Biden over Taiwan, warning, according to the Chinese readout, that assisting Taiwan in pursuing independence, quote, is playing with fire. And if you play with fire, you will get burned. China will have to take resolute measures if the Taiwan de- independence separatist forces provoke, compel, or even cross the red line. <sighs> China's foreign minister warned Secretary of State Anthony Blinken over the past weekend that, quote, any convenience of and support for the Taiwan independence forces undermine peace across the Taiwan Straits and would only boomerang in the end. Uh, translation two very, very direct threats to the United States. Not to mention the fact that President Xi uh, also kind of trolled Joe Biden a little bit by insisting on referring to him and the connection to the call as his old friend, a term that Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has in fact been denying. No, I'm definitely not as far. We know each other from way back, but uh, we're not friends. Now, bring me my pudding. I said what you told me to say. Anyway, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty close to exactly what he said. All right, some other headlines worth uh, talking about, and we'll spend a little more time on this later, but I have to mention right freaking now, the fact that Cory Bush is still trying to make hands up, don't shoot a thing and trying to somehow connect the very unreal events that occurred in Ferguson, including what appears to be completely making up new events, you know, to bolster her own stature, where she's claiming that people were shooting at her and other BML Uh, supporters at the time that white supremacists were hiding behind this hill and were shooting at her and and the Ferguson police weren't doing anything to to help them. Um, Yeah, I will come back to that. That's worthy of a little more time, Uh, especially now that there's been a little bit of a update from when that story first broke, which was very early in this week. Um, We seem to have had a story that's kind of You know, it hasn't exactly been very well covered in the United States. 
Russia shot down a satellite in space using one of their missiles. Now, according to the reports that came earlier this week, debris from this act of destruction threatens the International Space Station. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what the Soviets... Oh, oh did I say the, the S word? Now, it's the Russians. The Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. But that doesn't mean that the people currently running things in Russia don't have the Soviet mindset, okay? So if I let an occasional Soviet slip out, it's not because I'm being historically inaccurate. It's not because I'm not aware of the fact that the Soviet Union no longer exists. It is because... I'm constantly being reminded how certain members of the leadership of, of the Russian government are very much still Soviets at heart and would love nothing more than to rebuild the former union. Uh, again, trust me when I tell you this. At any rate, U.S. Army General James Dickerson, uh, U.S. Space Command, uh, commander, he said that the strike showed a deliberate disregard for security, safety, stability, and long-term sustainability of the space domain for all nations. Uh, a little posturing is really what that was, but ultimately, we did kind of feel like uh, came from out of nowhere. Don't like that. We didn't like China doing their supersonic missile test the other day. And we really don't like Russia using a missile to blow up a satellite. Uh, in case you weren't aware, California is still struggling to determine its true identity. Now, California's always been a state that's had a little bit of a, a schizophrenic identity to begin with. It really does. And I say that in the nicest way possible. Uh, there's a lot of sunny beaches, and there's a lot of beautiful mountain area. There's a lot of green farmland. It just all depends on what part of the state you're in. And the people in all these different regions are almost as different as the terrain they're in. Uh, California is a beautiful state with awesome people, and they just have this propensity in the population centers to be completely nuts. <laughs> I mean, they keep electing large numbers of not just Democrats, but uber leftists. I mean, some of these people, truthfully, is the uh, the model that AOC is desperately trying to catch up with. Ooh, ooh, I want to be like them. Well, it's a tough thing to do, AOC. Pace yourself. At any rate, jokes aside, the city of Oroville in Northern California is about... 70 miles or so north of Sacramento, they have declared themselves to be a constitutional republic city. They did this, of course, in order to shield residents from federal and state overreach. The city council there voted literally six to one for the resolution making the declaration on November 2nd. So they considered themselves to be a sanctuary city, uh, not of the democratic design, where it's okay to flaunt immigration laws, but a sanctuary city for the people of California that still honestly believe in the power of the republic and the protections of the U.S. Constitution. So good for them.
Uh, also came across a headline that's worth mentioning. A leftist female professor rips America for structures built around white women geared for helping those white women to feel safe. Yeah, I read the story. highly recommend you read the article on your own. I'm not going to delve too far into it, but here's the gist of it. This female professor, who happens to be white, seems to think that she's just missing out on all the white fragility money. Okay, that's not the gist of the article, but that's kind of what I took from it. Because this lady, this lady literally says that it is a form of white supremacy to even make the effort to want women to feel safe. I'm surprised she didn't throw some type of sexism into the the equation there as well. But since she was also accusing women as well as the men who want their women to feel safe. Okay, so just wanting women to feel safe in our society is white supremacy. That's what she's saying. So I suppose... That it's just a sign of the times that the so-called smartest people in the room are some of the dumbest people of our time. Uh, sorry if she doesn't take kindly to it. Uh, we had a series of suicide bombings that happened in Uganda, uh, suspected to be ISIS. ISIS, of course, is on the attack. They're growing. I wonder how that's happening. The JV squad is really stepping up since uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has taken the reins. Uh, there's a crisis that's ongoing on the border between Belarus and Poland. Uh, the Polish military had to use water cannons to push would-be refugees back across the border. And they have accused uh, the Belarus government of having armed several of these would-be refugees with smoke bombs and small arms in an effort to try to push past the border. I think this is probably going to escalate to a much bigger situation over time. Hopefully not, but I'm afraid maybe so. Could be an interesting uh, focal point should an event actually be triggered there, given the current status of all the world powers. Uh, Not trying to make anybody nervous. But it wouldn't hurt to be prepared, if you get my meaning. Uh, Also, another headline that's well worth being talked about, but has hardly been discussed. Seems that Governor Whitmer of Michigan uh, neglected Republican areas with more lead in their water than Flint. Seems that uh, there's a town called Benton Harbor. It's a city that is... In southwest Michigan, it's about 180 miles west of Flint. And for the past three years, Benton Harbor residents have suffered from emergency levels of lead in their water. Here's the thing. Everybody in the Michigan government has been aware of the situation for a long time. Whitmer has ignored the city's issues, however and so has the heavily Democratic state legislator, because, you see, in Benton Harbor, they probably didn't support Governor Whitmer very much. They have a tendency to lean 
mostly to the right. This is a uh, town in which the overwhelming majority of residents are quite conservative. Most are registered as Republicans. And for that terrible, terrible crime of not being on board with the leftist socialist agenda, uh, well, they just have to drink all that terrible lead. Or, you know, pay for the bottled water, whichever they can afford. There's, of course, stuff ongoing in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. There's been reports that have been bandied about that uh, that we have uh, jurors that are holed up now. Uh, they're held up on offering a verdict in this trial. And the very fact that this deliberation has continued as long as it has is concerning to me because this is one of the most clear-cut cases of self-defense you will ever see. I mean, there is almost no question in regards to it, despite the fact that the media and several would-be activists are living in a complete fantasy land. They, they see something completely different having happened. We've had the wacky zaniness of the prosecutor literally putting his finger on the trigger of an freaking AR-17, picking it up and pointing it at the people in the jury box. Some might suggest he was trying to intimidate them. Uh, I would just suggest that this guy is a complete and total buffoon who barely has a handle on the ability to practice law and certainly has no business of holding a firearm because I don't think he, previous to that event, ever did. In fact, one of the funniest memes I've seen since that moment was a meme that showed him in the courtroom, but before you see him, above them is a picture of the impractical jokers uh, calling in to them. So he's as if he's on the show, and they're telling them the most ridiculous things to try and get him not to do it. If you've never watched The Impractical Jokers, that probably won't mean anything to you. But if you have, that's a pretty funny thing right there. Uh, nothing funny at all about what's happened. But we've had reports that a U.S. marshal uh, came forward and said that two of the Rittenhouse jurors are holding up the verdict because they're concerned. They're afraid of being doxxed. Now, is there a reason why they should be? I mean, there are precautions being taken. There are things that people are doing to make sure that they can't easily be followed from the courthouse. In fact, they all get on a bus, they go to another secured location, and then they all go home from there. Now, why these folks aren't being sequestered, I don't know. Uh, th that alone should be reason for a mistrial in my mind. These jurors should have been sequestered. Uh, in fact, you should have took a potential jury pool, uh, the freaking day before the events of the riot where Kyle ended up having to to defend himself. I mean, it, it, literally, because you, the moment the media went to town on telling this narrative, uh, the moment that you have people like Joe Biden calling this young man a white supremacist right out the gate, which is completely unsubstantiated, there is literally no connection to Kyle Rittenhouse in any white supremacist organization, any racist group whatsoever, despite the best efforts of some on the left to say that, well, there is this relationship because we have a picture of Kyle sitting in a bar. Uh, let's see. 
Connect with the bar, uh, with uh, some members of the Proud Boys. <gasps> now, if you're on the left and the only media sources you have are the networks or MSNBC or CBS or, or yeah, CBS is a network or CNN or whomever, then you probably believe, aha, there it is. There's a connection. The Proud Boys are racist, except they're not. There is literally nothing racist about the Proud Boys. Nothing. In current, at present, the leader of the Proud Boys happens to be a gentleman of African descent. Okay? The black dude. Not racist. The Proud Boys arose from trying to push back against Antifa who, by the way, is mostly college-age white kids, right? That, that is typically the Antifa member. They arose to push back against Antifa because Antifa in certain cities kept targeting really, really old people and kept targeting them with things like chains with a lock on the end of it and crowbars and bats. And when they started making threats of showing up with guns at certain protests, well, thank God somebody showed up because in most of these cities, the police, even if they wanted to try to do something to squash it, they were under orders not to. I, I still don't understand how anybody can be a police officer in these cities, especially after the rush. So many of them had to try to defund them. How do you stay? I mean, I get Becoming a police officer, truly a police officer, is answering a calling. And it's a calling to serve your community, to serve the people where you live and want to make things better for everyone. It's not about law enforcement. It's not about some power trip, no matter what some folks will tell you. Now, we've all seen some folks that get on the power trip. We've all seen some folks that shouldn't be police officers, but those are the rare exceptions. They're not the rule, again, no matter what some people might want to tell you. So why on earth, after all this negativity directed towards any of you, why are you staying on in these cities? Get out of Dodge. Go somewhere where they actually believe in law and order and will let police officers do their jobs and, uh, you know, have you and your family be safe. But I digress. Evidently, this report is still out there floating around. I don't know how reliable it is. It seems like there'd be more action being taken on it. But if some or all of the jurors are struggling with voting their conscience because of potential backlash and doxing threats... While understandable, that's a major problem. And the judge has a duty to address that with the jurors and excuse them from the case if they aren't able to set that fear aside and render a verdict based only upon the evidence they've heard in the courtroom. If that happens... Since the alternate jurors have already been dismissed, the, the judge, Judge Schroeder, would basically be forced to declare a mistrial again. And we had yet another motion for mistrial with prejudice uh, because of this video file. 
There's a video file that was supposed to be shared. Now, everybody claims and seems to have acknowledged that Kyle's original defense team had a copy of the high resolution, showed the events of the night as they were moving from the parking lot, and and we've seen a lot of this footage now. The new defense team never got a copy of the high resolution. They did receive a copy of the file, but it was a much lower resolution. It was hard for them to make out very much stuff. It was poorly pixelated. It's the best thing you can say about what they ended up with. Very difficult to use any of that for the defense. In fact, they weren't even aware that a higher resolution copy was still available until they saw the prosecution use it in their closing arguments. So this is the third official motion from the Rittenhouse defense team to move towards a uh, mistrial based on prosecutorial misconduct. I mean, the prosecutor got dressed down for refusing to follow some simple rules. Number one, he tried to introduce, while jurors were in place, evidence that had already been uh, denied by the judge. And that evidence that we're talking about is the picture of Kyle supposedly hanging out with some proud boys. Then you have the effort to bring into question Kyle's right to remain silent. It's like, excuse me, this is Law 101. There's a reason why the Miranda rights exist in the first place. And guess what? Just because the media wants to call Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist, who was on a murderous rampage, uh, that doesn't mean the Miranda rights go away. It doesn't mean that your right to not incriminate yourself goes away. And see, here's the problem that most people don't get when you say, I have a right to remain silent, when you say, I have a right to not incriminate myself, when you plead the fifth, as they say. When you're concerned about self-incrimination, you're not concerned about admitting that you've done anything wrong. You're concerned about admitting to a series of facts that looks bad, but doesn't necessarily make a determination. There's a reason why a lawyer will tell you, no matter what the circumstance is, if the police show up and they're asking you questions about something, you shut up. Because the police in these cases, are looking for the simplest, fastest solution so they can believe they've solved an issue. So you could be completely innocent of something. You could be trying to help them uh, go solve whatever it is, and then you could be the one who ends up in handcuffs with them slightly misrepresenting what you said to them because, well, I asked you this question, you said this. That could mean this, too, so uh, you confessed. I mean, that's painting with some broad strokes there, but you get the gist. So now this was the third official attempt, and the judge hasn't ruled on any of those yet, and I have a theory about that. I honestly believe that the judge is concerned about what some of these jurors are going to do. Where are these jurors going to fall? What is going to be the end result? And I think, again, rightfully so, because... There is no reason why there should be deliberation going on this long unless they're desperately trying to find some lesser charge that the judge was allowed. It's like, here's what he's been charged with. 
I took the weapons charge off the table because the gun wasn't illegal for a 17-year-old to have, and the gun never crossed state lines, so there is no uh, illicit possession of a firearm by a minor here. Took that one off the table. Said, okay, now it's just the major ones, but I'm going to let you consider a lesser charge. So do you have a bunch of folks that are trying to walk a, a some kind of crazy line where they can justify to themselves, yes, he doesn't deserve to go to, to jail for murdering two people uh, because he clearly acted in self-defense. But uh, if we don't send him to jail for something, but that's just it. The self-defense thing is so clear just from watching the video footage, even the super grainy, poorly pixelated video, it's pretty clear. Kyle tried to retreat from the situation first, and Kyle did not fire upon anybody that was not a direct threat to him at the time, period. That's how that works. And uh, regardless of what a certain attorney may say, uh -uh, you do not lose the right to defend yourself just because you happen to be prepared for trouble. You brought the gun, thereby you created the danger. No. The person that created the danger is the person who's charging after the 17-year-old kid. Sorry, career criminals, 17-year-old kid that was there trying to help uh, help the neighborhood on a night where he knew things were going to be rough. Eh, you decide who's the hero and who's not. I mean, I don't like using the term hero for anyone other than myself because, you know, that's just how I am. But at the end of the day, what Kyle did, short of, you know, being the 17-year-old who probably shouldn't have been in a potentially hostile situation to begin with, it was motivated out of a desire to help his community. And, yes, it is his community. That's the other little twisted thing you're not getting from most of the media. Technically, Kyle officially still lives with his mother in a city that is in a different state than Kenosha. But it's literally a 20-minute drive. It is where Kyle Rittenhouse had a job. It is where Kyle's father lives. And it is where many friends of the family live. Kenosha is his community. In fact, every indication from what we've uh, been able to discover as this has progressed is that he has much stronger ties to Kenosha, Wisconsin than anything to do with where his mother's current home address is. So I'm sorry, don't get me wrong, but this is this crazy. Now, let's go back and let's circle back to those jurors. Is there any reason why they should be so concerned about being doxxed, being threatened, having to deal with stuff that they shouldn't have to deal with? Well, other than the not so vague threats from many would be activists, including relatives of George Floyd, people who've made remarks along the, uh, the vein of, you know, we have people in that courtroom. We know your faces. We know who you are. Other than that kind of thing, a freelancer from MSNBC got busted trying to follow the jury bus away from court after the second day of deliberation. We've gone through three full days of deliberation now. 
Honestly, I thought at this point that I would be talking about a verdict. Honestly, I thought I'd be talking about how terribly the wheels fell off because all these crazies have been ramping up over the last few days. Trying to establish our judicial system as being cooperative only to the mob mentality is the exact opposite of what our system's supposed to be. And for every last person that's out there protesting and trying to intimidate jurors and the judge, uh, let's not forget the judge has been receiving freaking death threats and horrible, horrible, nasty messages since day one of this trial when he instructed the prosecution that they were not permitted to call any of the people that Kyle shot victims. Now, it's fairly standard practice when it is known that self-defense is, in fact, going to be the defense that's posted here. Most judges instruct the prosecution not to make that reference because it's overly prejudicial. This judge, who's taken heat from everything from actually acting like a judge who cares about the rule of law and the rights of all parties involved, has taken the heat from that all the way up to his ringtone. Proud to be an American. Only there weren't any words. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't do what Lee does, and I really shouldn't torture you with my singing, so I'll stop. But all this insanity. So is there a reason? This guy, this guy who works for MSNBC, got busted trying to follow the bus. In fact, he got busted because he ended up running a freaking red light. Now, I used the phrase just a moment ago, a freelancer for MSNBC, because that is according to a statement that has now been released by NBC proper. Said that, uh, yes, this individual uh, does work for MSNBC in a freelance capacity, but no, he wasn't trying to follow the bus and he certainly wasn't working for the networks. Even though this guy, once he was taken into custody, said that he was following the bus, that he was intending on trying to have some interactions with the jurors, and that he was doing so under orders from somebody higher up in New York. So who do you believe? The crazy guy driving all wild in the streets trying to keep his uh, freelance job? I mean, if it's your side hustle, you're going to be working even harder, right? And obviously, when you work in media for one of these networks, every time you get a chance to get the freelance gig, you're trying to impress the higher-ups enough to get a permanent paying gig. It's like right now, if Daily Wire or The Blaze was to call me up and say, hey, Tim, you want to do this on our networks, I would be saying yes, because, again, a lot more, uh, a lot more eyes on the product, a lot more ears on the voice. I would say yes in a heartbeat. Not to sell out. It would just be me still doing what I'm doing. But again, larger audience. So that does help to get the message out. So this guy's trying to impress the folks back home. But the uh, NBC network officially says, oh, no, 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 no. He wasn't going to do that. Yes, he does work for them on a, a part-time freelance basis. And as a freelancer, uh, you know, we can't control what he does, and we certainly don't condone what he did. Uh, so when the judge announced earlier today, again, today being 
November the 18th, that MSNBC was banned from the courtroom for the remainder of the trial because of the actions of this would-be producer. The first question that came to mind when I mentioned it aloud while I was at my day job, first question that came out of the mouth of one of my coworkers was, what on earth would you be doing that for? And there is only one answer. There's only one reason why you would be trying to follow the jury bus and track down where the jurors are going to get dropped off and how they're getting back home. You're either trying to get an interview, interact with them right there, possibly trying to dox them in that moment, or you're doing it to continue to follow them on home for the exact purpose of doxing. Now, Tim, 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 how dare you suggest that somebody working for MSNBC would be involved with doxing, even if they are just freelance? Well, you know, it's pretty easy for me to make that assertion, not accusation, but assertion, because MSNBC has been caught on multiple occasions heavily involved in all kinds of doxing. I mean, if you don't remember... We've had everything from stuff being leaked from Nancy Pelosi's office during the first impeachment efforts to all kinds of things during the Trump administration. I mean, I can't even think of all of them right now. I'm sure you guys could probably come up with way more than I could have, short of spending three hours on Google searching. It's unbelievable. So, yes, there may be some truth to these guys being concerned about being doxxed, holding it up, saying, we're voting guilty no matter what. The rest of y'all want to vote not guilty, whatever. But I honestly, at this point, even if you were looking at lesser charges, I don't know what at this point you're still looking at after having seen what's happened in this court. Now, again, I understand uh, Derek Chauvin should not have been convicted of the charge that he was convicted of. The evidence that was presented, the case brought against Derek Chauvin, the former police officer who is supposed to be the guy who had his knee on the neck of George Floyd, even though the body cam footage from the, the back angle that almost nobody has seen clearly shows that his knee was actually always on his shoulder was not actually on the back of his neck, which is also consistent with the autopsy results. Never mind any of that. This guy was hit with all the large charges that could come down the pike because of politics, because of activism, and because of the lack of spine of the people that were in that jury box to do the right thing instead of folding to the public pressure. Derek Chauvin was not particularly well-loved anywhere in the country, and you can make a case for some of the things that he did being criminal. I will listen to you make that case. I might even end up agreeing with you on some instances, but at the end of the day, he wasn't guilty of what he was charged with and what he was convicted of. The very fact that reasonable doubt was clearly established, and yet he was still convicted, is enough to tell you that it didn't work out the way it's supposed to. And at the end of the day here, if any verdict other than not guilty 
by virtue of self-defense is brought forth against Kyle Rittenhouse, then once again the system has failed, and it has failed due to fear of the mob, a fear that our mainstream legacy media right now is fully engaged in trying to create, and not because they have a vested interest in what happens to Kyle Rittenhouse or Derek Chauvin for that matter, but because they do have a vested interest in the narrative, the narrative that they created, that they helped to nourish and grow, the narrative that they have firmly planted in the the minds of some people out there who simply don't know any better because they either trust these morons or it's what they want to believe or they're just willfully ignorant and going down uh, the the blind trail of uh, video games and free Biden bucks. Whatever path they're on, whatever reason they're choosing to not be aware, the media has got them. Kyle Rittenhouse... He's not a white supremacist. He's not a murderer, even though CBS put that out on their tweet. He's a kid who probably was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and his father should have known it. He should have known it. He should have never been put in that situation, no matter how much he might have wanted to help. But when you take that small piece out of the equation and you let everything else play out the way it did, Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong from that point. But he did things that are going to stay with him for the rest of his life. He was put in a position that nobody should have to be in, but unfortunately way too many people are put in every single day. And most of the time you never even hear about it. He had to defend himself from someone who was willing to kill him. Not just one someone, but at least three someones that not only were willing, but made a genuine effort to cause him bodily harm. One convicted child molester had threatened that he was going to kill him if he caught him by himself earlier in the day. Multiple people heard him. He, He made the same threat to several people. Kyle was among them. He saw him alone, went after him. Kyle tried to get away. When he couldn't get away anymore, he tried to bluff him off, tried to get him to go away with just the threat of the possibility of the use of the firearm. Dude lunged for the gun. Kyle had little choice. It was either fire then, knowing that it could possibly kill him, Or it would be, let this crazed maniac take his freaking weapon from him and probably use it on him and who knows who else. Because this guy was not on his meds at the time. Next guy, a flying jump kick dude, kicks him straight in the head. You got the next guy that gets shot and killed with the freaking skateboard. I'm sorry, uh, you want to tell me the skateboard can't be a lethal weapon? I mean, the prosecutor's argument in this case, well, this should have been a fist fight. Should have had the courage to not use the gun. Uh, Excuse me? First and foremost, there's a reason why uh, we normally carry firearms, those of us who do, and that is because while we're not too old to be getting into fights, we're certainly too old to be losing them. 
Look, people get killed by the fist way more often than they get killed by an AR-15. Happens all the freaking time, buddy. I, and I'm sorry, but your little thinly, horribly ridiculous attempt at a house of cards to build your case doesn't hold water. And anybody who thinks you did a great job is a moron. Anybody that's buying the media narrative that Kyle's a white supremacist who went and instigated all of this stuff is also a moron. I'm not normally prone to throwing names out at generalized people. I will throw specific names at specific people. But there's nothing else. That is literally the kindest thing I can say about anyone who believes that. You're either completely, totally ignorant, whether that's of your own accord or if it's because you have terrible news sources, get better sources. That's all I can tell you. You're either completely ignorant of the circumstances or you are, in fact, just an idiot. I hope for ignorance in the case. But I'm afraid way too many folks are not ignorant. They're just an idiot. All right, I went almost 45 minutes in, and I haven't even finished the things I had planned on being the quick hit. So let me uh, get you the uh, Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans tip of the day and, of course, the uh, Edwards Notebook, and then we will pick right back up as we try to finish our number one strong. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Is Taiwan officially now in mortal danger? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee, China's foreign ministry has demanded that the U.S. immediately stop all forms of official interactions with Taiwan. Wang Wimden of China's foreign ministry said the recent U.S. congressional visit to Taiwan gravely violates the one China policy. Wimben added that the 1.4 billion Chinese people, including their compatriots in Taiwan, share the overwhelming aspiration for national reunification. Is that true, or is the fact that the current weak U.S. foreign policy and the Chinese concubine U.S. regime leader Joe Biden the real reason that China now feels comfortable enough to overtly tell the U.S. to immediately stop all forms of official interactions with Taiwan? One thing is for sure. If the U.S. was not being ruled by a Chinese concubine president who oversees a now-woke military, 
I highly doubt China would be making such demands at this time. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience via theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. We are, of course, back in action. We've got just a little bit of time left in this first hour. And so what we will do as we continue to move through the first hour is uh, we'll take up a couple more quick hits. We'll try not to get too far into anything else. And then we will pick up where we left off with the major stories I wanted to get to uh, in the second hour. And if we end up running a little longer... Uh, and you happen to be listening via terrestrial radio somewhere, uh, something tells me I'm going to end up running it along today. In the event that I don't go a full hour, then you're probably not going to get a chance to hear it unless you go check out the podcast. So uh, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, there's a really good chance you can find Tap Into The Truth. Just go ahead and take a look at it. Uh, you know, whether you're looking at Spotify, whether you're looking uh, directly at Spreaker, whether you're uh, listening at... Uh, you know, just about anywhere, uh, Google Podcast, uh, just everywhere. I, there may be a few places where you won't find me, but there's not many. And if you can't find me where you normally get your podcasts and you're trying to find out the easiest way to get the show, then just go to tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. And uh, there, one of the pages is past broadcasts. So you can uh, check out... Uh, a plethora of uh, different historical archived shows there. Uh, whether you would prefer to listen at BTR or prefer to listen at Spreaker, at this point I would ask you to go to the Spreaker player and listen from there just because uh, that's monetized. And so uh, I'll get a little bit of cash. You'll have to listen to a, a couple of ads. Okay, it, it's it's not bad. Just, just listen to the ads. Help me out a little, but whichever one you prefer, obviously that's what you should do. So if you don't get to hear everything we go over, but you still want to hear the finish today, by all means, please do that. Listen to the podcast or uh, go to tapintothetruth.com and again, listen to the podcast. So it's the same thing, just a question of where you're going. All right. And before I jump into uh, anything else, I'd also like to take this moment to remind you, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, it's time to be prepared. Nobody helps you to be more prepared and has been helping you to be prepared for longer than My Patriot Supply. Uh, My Patriot Supply has got everything from heirloom seeds to food supplies that are shelf-stable up to two years and taste pretty good to boot, so hey, there's that. And beyond that, uh, also uh, water purifiers, just about anything survival you might need, My Patriot Supply is the right to go. And I would ask that you go to today's show description 
uh, if you're listening to the podcast, obviously. And uh, from that show description, if you will copy the entire link that is out from My Patriot Supply uh, and then paste that into your browser, that would not only take you to where you need to go to check out everything they've got to help you be prepared, but it also lets them know that I sent you. So please, if you will do that much for me, I would be most grateful. Now, uh, another quick hitter, obviously just about just enough time for this story. Uh, came across a headline again earlier this week that says, Why is a Fox News reporter being told to brush up on how Congress replaces a VP? Now, if you haven't been paying attention, for a little while now, there has been this behind-the-scenes tension, according to unnamed sources, uh, between the vice president's office and the president's office. They had really hoped that Kamala would be able to step out and, and do those hard-to-do jobs that Joe clearly can't do. And, uh, you know, they kind of thought that it's a win-win for Biden. Because it means either she goes and does it, and he gets to take credit for having the wisdom to send her there, and she gets to take credit, and she gets to look like a good candidate for the future. And if she completely messes up, it's still all on her, and Biden gets to say, well, you know, I trusted her to be able to do the job, and it was a tough thing to ask. It was a tough call. So even really, really good people would have probably had trouble with this. So, you know, he gets to put cover, but still put the full blame on her. So he tries to, to be nice and, and so on and so forth. And this has led to talks about being underutilized and tension between them and wanting to replace her and all this other stuff. So then the real question becomes, why is this Fox reporter being told by sources that he would not a name but said are well-placed why is he being told by them to brush up on the process? Well, we've been talking about for a while the primary reason, while as badly as the Democrats would have probably wanted to move on Joe Biden and pull him out of office much earlier, they really can't afford to do anything at all until after the 2022 elections. Because if they did, Kamala would take over and then you've got a 50-50 deadlock at the Senate. And the only way to let Kamala pick her new VP and that pick get to take their position would be if the new VP is confirmed by the Senate. It's the same thing as any cabinet-level position. A new VP has to be confirmed. And the Republicans could really make things interesting there. Because if Kamala is no longer the vice president, she no longer gets to cast the tie-breaking vote. If they could hold the line, even if they didn't get a single Democrat defector, they could prevent whoever she chooses from becoming the vice president, at least until 2022. And right now... If things continue down the route they're going, it certainly looks like 2022, the Democrats aren't going to have to worry about a tie in the Senate or even being uh, close to being in charge. They may even be losing the House. We have yet more Democrats uh, announcing the retirement and they're not seeking uh, to be uh, reelected in the upcoming terms uh, over in the House. So there's a lot more seats that uh, 
the longstanding Democrats who might have had a chance to push back against a Republican uh, insurgents, uh, probably not going to be able to hold back with a new face in those areas. I mean, yeah, whatever. But uh, what is going on? That's the real question that you have to ask. I mean, maybe this is just all palace intrigue and possibly this is just staffers griping because someone didn't say hello to them. Yet, there are only a couple of possibilities here. Joe Biden steps down as president and Kamala gets the big seat. Or she steps down to take her little cackling tour out of D.C. and goes back to Cali. The fact that just 10 months into the Let's Go Brandon presidency, we have rumors like this being bandied about, well, no matter how you look at it, it's just not a good sign for those at the White House or Democrats in general. Strangely, you know what? I don't feel bad for him. I hope you don't either. All right, that's going to have to be it for the first hour. We're going to reset the hour because, as you well know by now, those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, you typically get the show in one-hour doses. So we're going to reset the hour. If you're listening live or if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. For the rest of you, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe out there, folks. Stay healthy if you can. And, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. class he was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun warned about the greed within the mass they met beneath the moonlit sky a college party drunk and high and when they had degrees they said their vows he couldn't say when he couldn't say how couldn't say why she was different in his eyes they built careers and had a kid tried to live like their parents did but both their parties taxed them close to death they learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled 
so much more from so much less. They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, committing a live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, this, for those of you that are 
listening via terrestrial radio. You're hearing the rebroadcast. Just in case you are, in fact, hearing this hour, uh, you probably need to know uh, that this is a rebroadcast. So it's not happening live for you. Sorry. You got two options. You can follow me and uh, get the notifications when I'm going live and uh, have an opportunity to listen live if you would like, or you can continue to do exactly what you're doing right now. But you need to know that this, in fact, is the second hour of a live broadcast that took place on November 18th, 2021. So much stuff had happened between tonight's broadcast and the last time we got together that I was trying to go over just some quick hits. And the next thing I know, I've used up the whole first hour. And I still have some of the things that I planned on just having quick hits. I don't have time to play around much more. But I'm going to go ahead and get at least one more quick hitter. And then I'm going to try really, really, really hard to get in everything else that has to be in in the second hour that I was going to split up between the two hours. But this one last quick hitter I think is kind of informative. Now, the headline is that J.K. Rowling will not be interviewed for 20th anniversary special. Now, HBO Max has announced a retrospective titled Harry Potter 20th Anniversary Return to Hogwarts. Okay, fair enough. The press release stated that the that the special will, quote, tell an enchanting making-of story through all-new in-depth interviews and cast conversations, inviting fans on a magical first-person journey through one of the most beloved film franchises of all time. Now, it's important that you note that they said beloved film franchises. That's their excuse. That's their out for not including J.K. Rowling, who was a major creative factor in helping with the movies. She was a consultant on set all the freaking time. She helped bring her books, one of the most beloved series of children's books of all time, Love them, hate them. I know there's a lot of conservatives out there that aren't real keen on the Harry Potter books, and uh, I, I feel you. But it doesn't change the fact that this is, in fact, a very beloved series of books, because it is. It got a lot of kids back to reading who had had their noses stuck in video games. It brought them into a magical world. But they are very careful choosing the words here, because what has happened is... They will show some footage of J.K. on the set during the course of this, but they do not want J.K. Rawlings on, uh, well, not on, but to be a real part of this retrospective. It will not feature any new interviews from Harry Potter's creator. Now, some of you may say, well, of course, Tim, it's HBO Max. That's home box office. They would only care about the movies. But is that really what's going on here? I'm going to say no. Because, again, Rawlings played an integral role in helping bring these movies to life. She was very much involved. She's the creator of all the characters. 
She is the person who came out and told us after the fact that, oh, yeah, uh, it didn't really show it in the movies, but Dumbledore was gay the whole time. Surprise! Talk about coming out of the closet. I mean, I thought it was weird when he suddenly just looked a lot different all of a sudden, like three movies in. <laughs> yeah, okay, so it is a bad joke. Yeah, the, the first actor died. I'm sorry. But the fact here, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably political. I'm going to say it's something to do with wokeness. And, and I, think, I think I'm right, and I think you'll agree. Because as you will recall, or if you didn't know already, allow me to explain to you, Rawlings kind of sparked a bit of backlash from the trans community after saying that transgender individuals should be defined by their biological sex. Or at least that's the way it's been put. In truth, that's not really what happened. What she said was, men cannot be women. That automatically landed her the title of TERF. Trans-exclusionist, radical feminist. But as you'll recall, the original story, she was really just kind of back up one of her friends who was in the midst of a Twitter storm when her friend had said, uh, if feminism is going to stand for anything, we have to acknowledge that men cannot be women. Now, J.K. Rollins had a friend who made that statement, and then she was under attack. Now, most reasonable people will say, well, obviously, a man can't be a woman. We've got a lot of very unreasonable people out there that are constantly saying that all of that is an illusion. We are what we think we are. Uh, don't get caught up in those uh, fake constructs of society, man. Now, those people are all delusional and are probably self-medicating, but not with something that's actually going to help them. And they probably should be medicated in some fashion. Now, I'm not talking about the trans people. I'm talking about the people that say crap like that to try to defend them. And again, I I'm looking at every minority out there, boys and girls, whatever minority group you're a part of. Be extra super careful about who you let speak for you. I would highly recommend you just speak for yourselves. On an individual basis. That's probably what's best. That way you know you're being represented in the way that truly represents you. But hey, just just an idea. Just throwing it out there. Bottom line here is J.K. Rowling is still being snubbed by the powers that be. Because she's not willing to play into the fully, totally, 100% uber-woke playtime which she actually is very much a part of. She is very much a very woke person. She made promises that she would, in fact, allow uh, Syrian refugees to stay in one of her estates. She, she's made all kinds of statements about third-wave feminism. She is the one who retroactively made Dumbledore gay to try and play into some of these woke ideas. Now... The reason I say retroactively made him gay is because it was never part of the stories. Now, if anybody's going to know if Dumbledore was gay or not, 
it would be the creator of the character. So, okay, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you that, no, Dumbledore can't be gay, because she is the creator of the Dumbledore character. But like a good author, like a good writer who was trying to tell a compelling, interesting, and sometimes fun story, she understood that the role that Dumbledore plays in everything the character has been in it's not been an important facet of his role within the story. There's never been a need to put Dumbledore into a situation where you would know he was gay. So she wrote the story rather than trying to force woke agenda down everybody's throats. And she did that because she, like a good writer, understands Erroneous stuff that's just there for the sake of being there gets in the way of storytelling. Now, if you're telling the story and it becomes an integral part of moving the story along, fine, put it there, make it happen. I don't have a problem with gay characters being in literature or on television. I don't have a problem with trans characters being in literature or on television. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a choice even if I did. It's literally everywhere now. I don't have a problem with you showing real-life people in real-life circumstances, even when you're writing something fantastical. I do have a problem with you putting the agenda ahead of the storytelling. It's nearly destroyed uh, the popular shows on the CW, most of which I can't bring myself to watch anymore, which I used to be big fans of. It's made it very difficult to read long-standing comic book titles. It's made it very difficult to enjoy certain movies that are of a certain genre that once upon a time I was also a large fan of and still appreciate the earlier efforts. And see, the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. It never had to be that way, and only No Talent Hacks... Here I am. This was supposed to be a quick hitter, wasn't it? Only no-talent hacks feel the need to just throw your social commentary up front and the story itself be damned. It's insane. Marvel Comics knew how to, to deal with social upheaval and social commentary without making it so overtly in your face, this is exactly what it's all about. And even when they did make it so direct, like, say, titles like The X-Men, which is so much into uh, stopping all forms of bigotry, even in those titles where it was very overt that that was a major statement that was being made, it was still being done in a fashion that was entertaining and that brought the characters into a situation that you could relate to without feeling like you were being preached to. And that's the key. That's the difference. Anyway, let's let's if I don't get started now, I'm never gonna get started. So so much with the quick hitters. Gotta get to a three story tie together. One of the headlines of this past week, a headline that you may have missed, New Hampshire Parents Organization offers a reward for first teacher caught in violation of a new law 
in their state that prohibits the teaching of critical race theory. Quoting now, we've got $500 for the person that first successfully catches a public school teacher breaking this law. The statement's coming from Moms for Liberty, New Hampshire. They continued by saying, students, parents, teachers, school staff, we want to know. We will pledge anonymity if you want. Now, the law the group is referring to, right to freedom from discrimination in public workplaces and education, was passed by the state legislature and signed by Governor Chris Sununu on June 25th of this past year. Why do parents' groups in the state of New Hampshire still feel the need to put a bounty on some teacher who might be teaching critical race theory? Why, why would you need to do that? Why do you think they feel the need to do that? It's because they know they still have very defiant teachers who have been indoctrinated to the point that they believe that everything to do with this whole concept, this whole notion of racial essentialism, who believes in the tenets of critical race theory, even though they're not teaching the actual critical race theory from the law school, they're still teaching everything through the lens of racial essentialism. They're teaching everything, including math somehow. Math is racist. I, I wish I'd known that before. I, I've always been good at math. Oh, no, I'm a white supremacist because I'm good at math. I'm sure there's a lot of people that say I'm a white supremacist for other reasons, but we'll move forward. Another story. Wisconsin parents are going to sue a school district because of how they referred to their daughters. You know, I got a message, guys. Hey, public schools, public schools all around the country, no matter where you're at, no matter what state, no matter what county, no matter what district. No matter how righteous you believe your cause to be, you cannot continue to cut parents out of important decision-making for their children. And just because you think you know better than the parents doesn't mean that you do. And even if you do know better, that still doesn't give you the right to ignore their parental rights. You need to remember that the county or the city that you work in may sign your checks, but you work for those parents. They're the ones that make sure that those checks clear the bank. So you need to keep that in mind. I mean, these, these Wisconsin parents, they're suing the school district because they started referring to their daughter with male pronouns. Male pronouns. Their daughter now. Male pronouns and a male name. And they did so without the parents' knowledge and for the first time meeting after the parents found out about this, 
they told the parents that they would need permission from their daughter to be present for the meeting. Hello? You seem to have that backwards. You seem to have that backwards. The child is the minor. The child is the one who is unable legally to make a determination or decision for themselves. The parents need to make it. You don't get to make it. The parents do. But not according to the state. No, not according to the state. And here's the other big story that's tied together with all this. Now, by now, you probably are suffering from Loudoun County, Virginia fatigue. It seems like now at least twice a week a news story is breaking. Some of them look awful similar to some previous ones, but they're still new. It's hard to tell if you're not paying super close attention. So a lot of you have probably tuned out by now, so you're only really peeking an ear when you hear about one of these other school systems. Wow, this is happening everywhere. But something new is being found and caught and brought up in Loudoun County, Virginia, all the freaking time now. And so if you have been paying attention, you might bring yourself to ask the question, is this the absolute worst run public school in the country? Are these the most inept, incapable, ideologue morons who are running that school system in the country? And I will give you an unequivocal... Unequivocal... I will give you an unequivocal... No, they're not. It's too hard to tell who is. This is common. This is how it's being done all across the country. They're just the example that's been cracked open like an egg to the point that we're seeing below the yolks and through the whites. We get to see it all. But there are other school systems that are doing the same or worse. The invasiveness of the leftist in their effort to try and steal the hearts and minds of our children into believing that they just need to be hapless little worker bees and do whatever they're told and oh if they end up depressed and committing suicide that's fine because they're just going to get some other little cog to fill their part in the machine now they do this not by being upfront about what that purpose is because most of them are simply useful idiots from the folks that have indoctrinated them many of them honestly believe yes this is what's best for the child it's not but what transpired here is we're just getting a peek we're getting a glimpse we're getting to see how this is being done and it's horrible and it was enough to make the citizens of virginia to stand up in a single voice and say no more the Biden administration wants to say, well, this is a result of our inaction moving forward to pass the infrastructure. No, this wasn't about infrastructure. This wasn't about racism. This wasn't about anything other than you telling a mother she doesn't have a right to make a decision for their child. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, independent. It doesn't matter if you're Asian or Middle Eastern or as white bread European as it gets. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, if you're rich or you're poor. You make mama mad, you got hell to pay. 
and you can step back and try and make every excuse in the world you want to, it doesn't change the fact that these people in Virginia know exactly why they're pushing back. And you're going to be seeing more and more of that everywhere. You've done it. And the reason you should be seeing more of it is because we've now found out this past week that the FBI counterterrorism officials are, in fact, compiling and tracking investigations into threats directed at school board members and other school officials. This according to a whistleblower document that was turned over to the House Judiciary Committee and the Republicans on that committee, uh, led by Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, released this email this past Tuesday showing that the FBI is using counterterrorism tools to track threats against school officials. Now, remember, we're not talking about some legitimate terroristic threat. We're talking about some angry parents saying, if you don't start doing what's right in the school, then we're going to do something about it. Now, that something about it could be something as simple as making sure that they run for school board themselves next go round. Or they back another candidate for school board. They do whatever it takes to get you out of that position because you're not acting like any elected official is supposed to. You know, answerable to the people who elected you. I know, it's a crazy idea, right? Quoting here, We share an obligation to ensure all individuals are able to do their jobs without threats of violence or fear for their safety. This can only be accomplished with effective coordination and engagement with our law enforcement partners and the United States Attorney's Office. This was part of the email sent on behalf of the Assistant Directors of the FBI Counterterrorism and Criminal Divisions. Back to quoting. As a result, the counterterrorism and criminal divisions created a threat tag to track instances of related threats. We ask that your offices apply the threat tag to investigations and assessments of threats specifically directed against school board administrators, school board members, teachers, and staff. The purpose of the threat tag is to help scope this threat on a national level and provide an opportunity for comprehensive analysis of the threat picture for effective engagement with law enforcement partners at all levels. Now, the email acknowledges the new threat tag was in fact created in response to Attorney General Merrick Garland's October 4th memo directing the FBI to crack down on threats directed at school boards and administrators, even though I seem to recall testifying in front of Congress that the memo didn't lay out a specific direction, just that we would be taking a look at it. And he denied that he was going to be treating parents like domestic terrorists. And yet they're using the counterterrorism division to monitor all of these <clears throat> threats. Once again, using air quotes, which did not work well on the radio. Now, the email encourages agents to look for federal nexus in each case and says that agents 
look out for any potential federal violations that can be investigated and charged. The DA agent should also try to identify the motive behind the criminal activity. Now, do you want to know why they need to do those things? Because the FBI has no business being involved with a local criminal matter. Not everything that gets said at a school board meeting, even if it's said in a heated fashion, is a threat. Sometimes when somebody makes a statement that sounds threatening, it's still not actually a threat. And we used to have the common sense in this country to generally have a good idea of when somebody says, I'm going to kill you, <coughs> to know the difference between I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill you. We used to be able to do that. Do you remember that? I know most of the guys, I know I, I see the numbers and I know the majority of folks listening to this show, uh, they tends to, to trend a little uh, to the older section. So I'm pretty sure you guys remember it. Now, if you're too young to remember that, trust me. And, uh, you know, go ask, go ask your grandparents. I mean, there was a time, believe it or not, when we could make those assertions, but they need a federal nexus because they need a point where they can say, aha, this is a federal violation. Now we have jurisdiction because they are literally monitoring. They are taking a first step towards an investigation involving what, even if it was a crime, even if there was a legitimate threat, or even if somebody elevated to assault it's not a federal offense. It is not something the FBI has jurisdiction in doing. It is a local law enforcement issue. The FBI has no standing here. They've got no business being involved with this. But if they can argue in a court of law that there was a federal violation at this point, or if they can determine that that motive behind the criminal activity is an ideological one, if they can link it to those crazy insurrectionists from January 6th, if they can link it to people who support the orange man who was bad, if they can find some way to claim that this isn't just a one-off event, this is part of a movement and it's organized, then they can actually legitimately claim domestic terrorism. And what would you use against a organized group of domestic terrorists. Well, the FBI counterterrorism section, of course. But they need to find that before they can legally proceed with anything else. That essentially, that language is them admitting they've got no business being part of this. But they weren't done. The email concluded by saying, quote, We appreciate your attention to this matter and welcome any engagement to identify trends, strategies, and best practices to accomplish discouraging. Identifying and prosecuting those who use violence, threats of violence, and other forms of intimidation and harassment pertaining to this threat. Would that also include things like, I don't know, going on television and say, yeah, we got people in that court. We know what you look like. We know where you are. Now, granted, that's not against the school board, but 
you know, isn't that kind of what they're actually talking about? I don't know, maybe. I, clearly, Tim, I, I just, I keep losing my mind. I keep thinking that somehow the laws are supposed to treat everyone equally. That's that's a tool of white supremacy, I've been told now. So I, what am I doing? Now, Jim Jordan sent a letter to uh, Garland on Tuesday of last week claiming that the whistleblower email calls into question the accuracy and completeness of Garland's October 21st testimony in front of the House Judiciary Committee. Remember that testimony that I mentioned a little while ago? Specifically, I'm back to quoting now, specifically you, Garland, testified that you could not imagine any circumstance in which the Patriot Act would be used in the circumstances of parents complaining about their children, nor a circumstance where they would be labeled as domestic terrorists. You also testified, I do not think parents getting angry at school boards for whatever reason constitutes domestic terrorism. It's not even a close question. Now, Jordan also goes on to say that Garland's testimony last month was, at best, incomplete. Potentially, Garland willfully misled the committee about the FBI and its counterterrorism unit's involvement in such investigations. Jordan wrote, quote, To allow us to assess the accuracy and completeness of your sworn testimony, we invite you to amend your testimony as to whether the department or any of its components has used or is using counterterrorism resources or tools for the purpose of investigating, tracking, or prosecuting threats related to school board meetings. So we have it right there in black and white. There's no question. There's no doubt. The FBI, the Biden Justice Department is violating their testimony. And they are just barely skirting around avoiding violating the law. How so, Tim? Why do you say that? Because, again, like I said, no jurisdiction, no legal right to begin this investigation in the first place. And they are only proceeding because they were asked to by the National School Board Association and because some left-wing wacko on MSNBC reported that threats of violence are on the uptick against school boards across the country. Yeah. Can't get a single person to truly, honestly investigate Hillary Rodham Clinton. Can't get anybody to investigate Fast and Furious. The drug, the gun running into Mexico, not the movie franchise. Uh, Can't get anybody to do that. Because Fast and Furious was protected by executive privilege. You know, that same executive privilege that now Biden and the Democrats in Congress are claiming doesn't hold up after you're no longer president. Hmm, who's no longer president? <gasps> Obama. Who's, who's the former attorney general under Obama who 
didn't have to give any testimony whatsoever about Fast and Furious because of executive privilege. Uh, is that uh, that funny guy? That you know, Obama's wingman. Yeah, that's him. They keep opening the can of worms, and they keep doing it because they honestly believe if they push this stuff so far, they're never going to have to answer for it because they're never going to be the ones who aren't in charge anymore. That's literally where they're at. That's what they believe. All right, stay where you're at. I'll be right back after this brief break. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. The Biden regime has claimed that China and climate change are America's two biggest threats. While he's 50% right, China is our biggest threat. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. While it is true that China is the biggest threat to our republic, U.S. regime leader Joe Biden has a long time bought and paid for Chinese concubine, along with his troubled son Hunter. And true to form, recently the Biden regime and Chinese dictator Xi Jinping, who is Biden's boss, signed a wretched climate change agreement. As has been the tradition of most international agreements, if Biden was involved, our nation is once again left at an agreed-upon disadvantage. The U.S. has agreed to further harm our economy by not allowing the U.S. to continue using fossil fuels in the future while China is allowed to use all the unclean coal, crude oil, and whatever else Xi Jinping deems necessary, no matter what they officially tell we the people. Wake up, America. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience via theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, this is, of course, Tap into the Truth, and I am, of course, your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap. And I got to try to sneak in two stories here, but before I get to that, let me remind you that I want every last one of you to have a very happy Thanksgiving. If you're here in the United States and you celebrate Thanksgiving, then all the better. But even if you don't, I hope that that same day for you is a great day, no matter what you're doing. Unless, of course, you fall into one of those caveats that I normally talk about at the top of each hour. Now, with that having been said, let's jump into this and remind you that with Thanksgiving coming up and then Christmas right around the corner, there's a really good chance that you're going to be eating a little more than you normally do and probably way more than you should. Even with the current supply chain issues, chances are you've been working on pulling together your holiday yummies for a while. And if you haven't and you're not prepared, then that's terrible, bad for you. But anyway, the point of the matter is that 
after you overindulge a bit, which is entirely likely, uh, then you're probably going to need a way to try and get back in shape. And might I recommend a candy bar? Uh, yeah, yeah, a candy bar. I mean that. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, what are you talking about, Tim? Candy bars are not a way to fight back from having overindulged. Well, this particular candy bar kind of is because... While I call it a candy bar, they just call it a protein bar. Now, I know you hear that, especially from the folks that are making it, and the first thing you're thinking is, now you're calling cardboard that's been covered in terrible, god-awful excuse for chocolate uh, a candy bar? Except that's not what it is. I promise you, you'll take one bite of Built Bar, and you will immediately think that they are the ones lying to you, and I was telling you the truth all along. It is a freaking candy bar. But the good news is it's actually very low in sugar, very low in carbs, high in protein. It's, it's, it's pretty healthy. It is exactly what they claim it is, but you'd never believe it by the way it tastes. So check out Built Bar whenever you get the opportunity, and please, I will ask you to... Go to today's show description, copy the full length in its entirety, paste it in your browser, and that way when you go there to check them out, they know I sent you. So if you decide to uh, make a purchase, yeah, help out the show a little bit. So, you know, at least think about it. And, you know, happy holidays. All right, with that being said, I'm going to really try to get two stories in in the last few minutes, so don't go anywhere. It's important. First and foremost, the Biden administration now is hinting at rolling back religious liberties, at least according to this report. Now, a reported memo from the director of the Office for Civil Rights within the Biden administration's Health and Human Services Department is currently hinting of the Biden administration's apparent desire to roll back religious liberties. In a draft memo to Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, you know Xavier, This coming from Lisa Pino, uh, the current director of the Office for Civil Rights. She writes of the Trump administration's delegation in 2017 for the Office of Civil Rights to prevent violations of religious liberty. Quoting here, prior to the delegation of 2017, no division was singularly responsible for the department's compliance with RF. RA, that's Religious Freedom Restoration Act, or the First Amendment. That model recognized that all compartments of HHS had a responsibility for compliance and that OGC, Office of General Counsel, was a central partner in providing key legal advice on RFRA and defending the department when RFRA claims were raised. Rescinding the delegation to OCR does not lessen the commitment of the department to compliance, but ensures that it is not misused by any one agency to enact a broad, proactive agenda. So let's, uh, let's take a second to unpack that. Basically, She's overseeing the department now that is required to take point in defending religious liberties as if it's any other part of what our federal government's supposed to be defending our rights. 
She's making the argument that it shouldn't be her responsibility that the entirety of the department, in fact, other departments within the executive branch, has just as much of responsibility. So why is it on her? The point of the matter is they want to recreate that same level of confusion where they could always pass the buck before and let religious objectors, conscientious religious objectors, just fall through the cracks. After the former Attorney General Jeff Sessions issued these guidelines on various religious liberty issues, HHS gave OCR authority for RFRA compliance reviews and to initiate such other actions as may be necessary to facilitate and ensure compliance with the F I'm sorry with the RFRA. Now, Pino's memo also states, quote, while nothing in RFRA legally restricts an agency to work proactively to address a complaint or would-be complainants, religious needs or rights, there is a serious concern that such an approach broadens the effect of the RFRA in a way that may not be legally required and while causing significant detriment to civil rights and public health protections. Translation, your religious rights may come in contradiction directly with their woke agenda. Their agenda is endangered every time you do anything to protect religious liberties in this country because as I've stated to you at this point a bajillion times, so thank you for continuing to listen, this government, these people, this administration, they don't want religious people to be running around loose in this country because they're a threat. They're a threat to this regime. They're a threat to the people that would like to transform this nation into a socialist utopian society because they know at the end of the day they want full control by the state. And religious people, and it doesn't matter much what the particular religion is, truly religious people who have faith in a higher God, a higher power, a deity above all others, is never, I repeat, never going to put their full faith and trust in the government. There's no religious tenet that would allow such a thing, first of all. In Christianity, we're told to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and then to render unto God what is God's. Pay your taxes, obey the laws, but worship only me. These folks want you worshiping the state. They want you worshiping the power that they want to wield over you. And if you treat them like a deity, they will certainly love trying to act like one. Now, the memo continued on, and they talked about other things. They said that the prior administration took an expansive view of the use of the uh, RFRA that resulted in negative impacts for underserved communities. Get it? Broad-based exemptions from non-discrimination requirements to child welfare agencies challenged the ability of children and youth to obtain safe and loving foster and adoptive homes. They're talking about the religious orphanages here. 
They're talking about the religious adoption agencies. You know, the Catholic adoption agencies that would not consider a same-sex couple to adopt a child. That's what they're trying to say there. It also clearly sent the signal to LGBTQ plus communities that the department did not recognize their civil rights, including their right to marry. That's not what this did. It's not even close to what it did. It didn't ignore their civil rights. It simply stated that if a Catholic organization wants to run itself in a format that is congruent with the tenets of the church... They should be allowed to do so. If you're an LGBTQ plus whatever, Amber Samp, watchy watchy sign, and you want to go adopt, if you're one of these couples and you want to go adopt a kid, there are plenty of other state-sanctioned options. You don't have to go to the Catholic adoption agency. Just like you don't have to go to the, the one cake maker that doesn't want to make a gay wedding cake. You don't have to go to the one florist in town that doesn't want to provide an arrangement for the same-sex marriage. You don't have to go to those places. There are other places nearby, in some cases maybe even closer by, and in some cases maybe even better at doing the artistic part that you want in the first place that would be happy to be part of your celebration, your party, your whatever it is you're doing. If somebody doesn't cater to you as a customer, whatever kind of customer we're talking about, then you go somewhere else who will. And your rights have not been violated. We used to understand that. Oh, but we don't now because now an affront to one someplace is an affront to everyone every place. What? Eh, no, you're you're paraphrasing something that isn't entirely correct to begin with they, they they lie by saying that the department will need to continue to comply with the RFRA removing this delegation demonstrates our belief that it's meant to be a shield to protect the freedom of religion except they don't understand what freedom of religion means they think it means freedom from religion <coughs> Say it's supposed to be a shield, not a sword, to impose religious beliefs on others. They don't do that. That's not what was happening. They weren't imposing their beliefs on someone else. They were simply saying, uh, if you're not religious, don't go to a religious organization for these services. If, if you happen to engage in a lifestyle, if you happen to identify in a fashion that is outside of the beliefs of a religious organization, don't go to those people to help you. You're not being discriminated against. And if you go there and you force them to help you, then they're the ones who are being discriminated against. Why is it you don't understand? Discrimination is something that can go both ways. Racism is something that can go both ways. Yeah, 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 I know. You redefined it so that racism can only be done with people who have institutional power. We don't have institutional power. We can't be racist. Wrong. There was no question. There was no doubt. There was never even a moment of hesitancy where it was a question whether or not the Biden administration would be hostile to religious freedoms. 
We knew they were going to be right off the bat. They, they basically did everything they had to do to telegraph it. When they hold up Joe Biden's membership of the Catholic Church as why he would be religious friendly, but then you look at how he practices his religion, I don't think he even remembers what the tenets of the church are. What are the basic tenets? You can't in one breath say, yes, you're a practicing Catholic in good standing with the church, and then turn around and say, yes, I support a woman's right to choose to murder an unborn, yet-born, pre-born child. A life that has been granted through God's power of creation. Can you be serious difficult to even imagine that this is something that happens. So we knew it was happening. We knew it was coming. It, it's, it's not a surprise. Okay, so then the other big news story, and I'm going to take this moment to remind you because I'm definitely going to run long, but I'm not going to go past this story. So I'm going to take this opportunity to remind you that if you are listening on terrestrial radio, please come find the podcast and listen to the rest of the show. Okay. We got the big news that the Biden administration, OSHA, was putting the kibosh temporarily. They were suspending their efforts on the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Okay. Fair enough. Hey, actually, good news, right? So they're they're going to postpone. Part of this is because they don't have much of a choice. They're actually just going along with what the federal courts have told them. Now there were multiple suits filed, multiple cases brought forth against the vaccine mandates. And they had kind of a lottery thing where they got together and determined they're going to just send all these cases to the Sixth Circuit, meaning that puts the Daily Wire at the front of the line. They are the folks leading the charge against the unconstitutional governmental overreach here. But that's not the end of the story. First and foremost, a lot of people were who were against the mandates were high-fiving and thinking they've won. No, you've got them to temporarily halt their movement. Now, remember, we are less than a week away. We are less than a week removed from Joe Biden himself telling folks that, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, the uh, the courts said that, uh, that we're going to have to put this stay in place until they hear us. Now, we're, we're going we're gonna to try to get them to, to let us go ahead with it while they're waiting to hear it. We're going to file those motions. We're going to do whatever's legal. So, as a company that would be under this guideline, if you have 100 employees or more, you need to just go ahead and voluntarily comply until you're ready for this. Okay? That we are less than a week away. And now, officially from OSHA, they have suspended their efforts to impose this regulation until the end of litigation. Again, this is very, very nice of them to, to so politely acquiesce, but they didn't have much of a choice because if they had moved into contempt of court, 
which is what would have happened if they tried to go ahead and implement this, there's a really good chance that OSHA could find themselves with a whole lot less power than they currently enjoy, which, by the way, is should happen. But then what happens? Now the, the new... The new twist and turn is more than 60 health care associations and medical groups, including the American Medical Association, they started calling on private employers to, to voluntarily enforce Joe Biden's vaccine mandates ahead of the holiday season. You know, they weren't just leaving it up to you guys. They were saying, hey, you got to do this. You're going to have to do it eventually anyway, so please do. More than 60 health care associations and medical groups. More than 60. On Thursday, November 18th, 2021, called on private employers to voluntarily enforce the Biden vaccine mandate. Ahead of the holidays. Get a jump on it. That means... You got to do it before next week. Quoting here, we physicians, nurses, and advanced practice clinicians, health experts, and healthcare professional societies fully support the requirement that workers at companies with over 100 workers be vaccinated or tested. The organizations, uh, they issued this joint statement, and it was reported by the Washington Post. Continuing, this requirement by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration is reasonable and essential to protect workers. Now, first and foremost, we know your game. You try really hard to sound like you're the reasonable ones in the room. You're not. It's never reasonable for you to claim governmental power that is not yours to take. There comes a point where you push a little too far. There comes a point when we will say no mas. It's not acceptable. It's not constitutional. And yes, if these private companies did it of their own accord, that would be a very different situation. Employees are still facing a very tough decision whether or not they're going to accept the mandate or decide to go somewhere else to work. But for the government to make this the issue, it's insane. And for these health professionals, you would think they would be the first ones in line to say, oh, yeah, by the way, kind of silly to just make it companies with 100 employees or more. Because 99 employees in that uh, business doesn't magically make you safer. Only having 50 doesn't make you safer. And depending on the nature of the business itself, you can have two employees, but if you're open to the public at all, you're definitely not any safer when it comes to COVID. An endemic virus that is going to continue to be with us from now on. An endemic virus that we have therapeutics that seem to work very well. That we have vaccines that they claim uh, was really keeping people from having to be hospitalized, and if you did end up hospitalized, you weren't having to die, which is also why it's a ridiculous statistic. If that part is true, it's really ridiculous to talk about how all these people in the hospitals were all unvaccinated. Of course, because the people that got vaccinated aren't going to the hospitals. They don't need to, right? Right? 
That's what you've been telling us. Why are you acting like that's some threat? Just give them the new Pfizer pill that supposedly uh, protects them from being dead from COVID. Why is that such a big thing? Why is that so hard? Now, the reason I say you would think these professionals would be the first ones in line to talk about how ridiculous the arbitrary number of 100 is. Well, it's because they were planning all along. And I, I'm pretty sure I would have mentioned this. And if you've been listening to other conservative, com- other conservative commentators for a while, you've probably heard other people mention this. They were planning from the jump to hit all businesses. They want this mandatory for everybody that's working a job, period. It's just that they know the way they put the expenses on the businesses, that there'd be a heck of a lot of pushback if you were to hit small companies before the holidays. They knew that. They didn't want to deal with that. And so they were going to wait till after the holidays, some point after New Year's before they pushed this. But... Even though the Biden administration announced just this past Wednesday that it is temporarily suspending. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.